Today's scripture comes to us from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10. Again, that's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible, please read it along with me. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Holy Trinity Church. I want to join my voice with all of those who have already greeted you and welcomed you to our first service in 2021. I'm Sully. I serve as the executive pastor here at the church. And before we begin, I want to say a special thank you to Shelton Carter and Stephen Corbett, who preached for us the last two weeks. Phenomenal messages. Uh, I hope if you uh, missed either one of them that you would go back to our HTC uh, YouTube page. You can find all of our online services there. Well, next week, we're going to be jumping back into our sermon series in the book of Acts. But for us today, I have a passage in 2 Corinthians. Now, I don't consider myself to be much of a journaler, but I do enjoy taking time at the end of a year and the start of a new year, thinking back on all of the things I experienced, the lessons learned, highlights from the past year. We at my family had a great time over Christmas. Uh, At different meals, we would ask each other questions about this last year. What was the favorite book you read? What was the favorite movie you saw? It's helpful to process uh, a period of time like a year. It's there's ever been a year to process. It's been 2020. So much has happened. So much has changed. It's good to take that time to think about what is it that we've learned. I know that as I've been thinking about this and reflecting, I've, I've thought a lot about resiliency. I think 2020 taught us a bit about what is and isn't resilient. And I think we all were surprised where relationships or habits or even institutions crumbled uh, under the weight and hardships of this last year, things we thought would last forever. I know this last year has revealed to us the fragility of our health, our our jobs, our incomes. And yet at the same time, it's also exposed the resiliency of other things. I've always known the church was strong. But as we go into 2021, I have a new and deeper appreciation, a deeper understanding about the resiliency of the church. Over the last year, we haven't been able to meet on Sunday mornings together, and yet the church has found ways to worship. The church has found ways to serve each other, to be in community, to care for one another. 
has been phenomenal. And I'm so thankful for the resiliency of the church. Though as we start this new year, I, I know that many of us feel as if there's more to lament and mourn than there is to celebrate. At the beginning of this new year, you may uh, feel exhausted, feel worn out. Even your faith may feel thin at the moment. That's why I want this morning to talk about the topic of resiliency. I want us as the church, as we head into this new year, to be able to go into it being resilient. Uh, Being resilient means being able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult circumstances. So the question I want to answer for us today is, what makes resilient Christians? We're going to answer that by looking at the passage that uh, we had read just a few moments ago. Uh, But before we do that, I I want to ask the Lord for his help. So would you join me in a word of prayer? Let's pray. Our gracious and loving Father, I thank you that you are the God who created us. You created the world. You put the stars in the sky. You told the oceans where to begin and where to end. Father, I thank you that you know everything about us. You know our deepest longings, every thought we have. Father, as terrifying as it is to be so known, there's also a great comfort in knowing that you know our needs and you meet them. You are a God who over this last year has provided and protected in so many ways. Father, I pray today that as we open up your word, we we desire to hear from you. So speak and let us hear. Help us once again to see the beauty, the truth, the, the goodness of the gospel. Help me, Father, as I try to lift up and magnify your son, Jesus. Father, he is our savior. He is the one who, who, Lord, we know has secured for us life eternal. So today, cultivate within us a longing for the eternal things, a, a longing for you, Lord, creating us resiliency. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Resilient Christians set their heart on eternity and on the Lord. Today, I hope uh, to stir up within us a longing for these two things. I'm going to break our passage into two sections, the first five verses and the second five verses. And what I hope to do for us today is to help us to set our hearts on the right things. I know that at the beginning of 2021, there are good things on the horizon. I hope that this year is the year that we get to go back to the grocery store and school and church without the fear of getting sick. I hope this year we get to travel again and see friends and family. These are great things to be able to long for. But I'm here this morning to call you to long for even greater things. Things that if we set our hearts on, it will help us to be resilient. So let's begin in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, I hope you'll keep them out in front of you. I hope this passage is a passage we need to hear at the start of a new year. Verse 1 of chapter 5 reads like this. It says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This first verse kind of reads like a confession of faith. You may realize that every week in our services, we have a portion of the service that we call the confession of faith. Often, we read the Apostles' Creed together. It's an opportunity for us as the church to join our voices and affirm the truth. Honestly, this is, this is one of the things I miss most about not being able to gather on Sunday mornings. I love hearing the diversity of voices together affirming the truth. 
After a hard week when the city and the culture have tried to train my heart to long for lesser things, I need the strong and unified voice of the church reminding me of what is true and beautiful and good to call me back to the gospel. When we read the words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This isn't just a, a cognitive affirmation. It's a, it's a heart declaration about what it is we need, what it is we long for. So as we come to verse 1 of chapter 5, it, it reads like this, For we know or we believe that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Let me try to explain how we've gotten to this confession of faith. 2 Corinthians is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Paul actually helped plant the church in Corinth. Yet over time, the relationship between the Corinthians and Paul, it grew strained. Unfortunately, people within uh, the Corinthian church began to question Paul. They began to question his authority and his message. Their argument for uh, why they were beginning to question him was because they, they didn't like how much he suffered. They didn't like or didn't want a leader who suffered so much. It was unappealing to them. I mean, we kind of can get this, don't we? We can look down at the Corinthians, but we get the fact that no one really wants to follow a leader who's, who's beaten, who's bruised and rejected all the time. He didn't fit the mold of the Corinthians idea about uh, the idea of success. They didn't fit the uh, mold of a good, strong leader. And so they were beginning to reject him. And this letter, Paul is trying to defend his ministry among them and the message that he brought them, the gospel message. He wrote to them saying it actually was his weakness that displayed the power and the beauty of the gospel. It was his weakness that allowed them for the first time to, to see the strength and power of God. Here at Holy Trinity, we, we call this the irony of weakness. The idea that when we are weak, we are actually strong. That Paul was actually strong in, in actually allowing the gospel, the power of God to work in and through his weaknesses. I want us to jump into the middle of this. And uh, Paul is, is explaining to the Corinthians why he never loses heart, why he doesn't grow discouraged, even though he is persecuted, even though he is rejected, even though his body is wasting away, he doesn't lose heart. So look back at verses, uh, verse 16 with me of chapter 4. It's important for us to read these verses so that we can understand uh, where we are going in chapter 5. Again, verse 16 of chapter 4, Paul said, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Our passage today follows these great words. And what Paul does in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 5 is trying to stir up within us, within his reader, to long for the same things that he longed for. Longing for the eternal, the things that last. Paul wants to draw this sharp contrast between the temporary and the eternal. And so as we return to verse 1, we, we continue to see that contrast drawn out. He says our current bodies are like tents in comparison to the resurrection bodies we will one day possess. Paul wants us to see that these bodies we have now are just the beginning. 
This isn't all we have. We have a greater home to come. We look here and Paul is a, uses the idea of a tent. Paul was actually a tent maker by trade. And I would assume he was a fairly decent tent maker. And every good tent maker knows that, that nothing compares to a, a sturdy house. A strong wind, a strong storm can rip a tent to pieces. He wants us to see that, that in comparison, our bodies now are like tents in comparison to the great home God is building us. Laura and I, we moved in 2020. It was one of the big things that happened. We moved just a couple of blocks from where we were in Wicker Park, and we love our new apartment. But for some reason, uh, marketers or at least realtors continue want, wanting me to think about moving again. I keep getting these advertisements on my social media for these gorgeous, massive homes, homes that have driveways that wrap around in front of them, more rooms than you can count, pools in the backyard, these homes you can, I could never afford, but at least could rent. And they, they want me to long for these, to live somewhere better. My apartment in comparison to these homes is like a closet, practically. Paul wants us to see that we have greater things in store for us, greater things on the horizon. Paul knew that, that when trials and persecution came his way, he did not need to fret. He did not need to grow discouraged because this body was only temporary, that his eternal dwelling was ahead still. We naturally long for things that last, don't we? Paul begins to articulate that longing in verse 2. Look there with me. Paul wrote, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked for while we, st uh, for while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul gives a voice to our groans and our longing, our yearning for eternal bodies, bodies that don't break down from a virus or disease. I mean, the pandemic has really shown a light on this desire, a desire I think we all have. We were created with eternity in mind. Eternity was a part of the original design for humanity. And yet our bodies have an expiration date. And so we are left longing for eternal homes. It's when our longing turns into groaning that we need the reminder that Paul gives us in verse 1, that we have a God who is creating for us an eternal home, a better home. In verse 1, he actually tells us a few things about this better home. He tells us that it is not made with human hands. It's eternal. And third, it's kept in heaven for us, the safest place it could be. It is, a, it is a divinely designed home that cannot decay or be dismantled. It is kept for us in heaven in the safest place it could be. Paul here is wanting us to see that this beautiful and better home is ultimately what we can look forward to. I love Ikea. When Laura and I got our first apartment, we went to Ikea to buy up furniture. And I mean, we made a haul. We had our parents there to help us be able to transport it back. It couldn't all, all the cheap furniture we bought couldn't all fit in our car. If you've been to Ikea, you know that they have these rooms you can walk through, uh, designs. And it's tempting to say, I just want everything in this room. You want an Ikea designed room. Well, an Ikea designed room or a room designed by Ikea may look nice, but it's not built to last. 
<laughs> a bookshelf will finally break. Over time, a light bulb will go out. The table will get scratched. The chair will break. It'll fall apart. The beauty will pass away. But the home that God is building for us is an eternal home. It's not built or designed by the Swedish. It doesn't come with instruction manual that you can't understand. It is divinely built by God. A beautiful and safe place where every longing we have for home is ultimately fulfilled. Paul here knew that as he faced persecution, when he faced his body breaking down, that there was greater things in store. And so he set his eyes on that which was eternal. This year, you may find yourself in places that you don't want to be. Places where you cause you to long to be somewhere else. And it's in those moments that Paul wants us to look towards the eternal. This year, you may find yourself in a hospital room thinking, this isn't where I want to be. Or maybe it's late at night working at a desk thinking, this isn't where I want to be right now. It's that groaning, yearning for somewhere better that can sometimes cause us to lose heart or grow discouraged. But what Paul says to the restless, to the one who feels homesick, he says, look up at the at the horizon. Look at the horizon of eternity and look at what blessings lie ahead for us. When the hardships press in on all sides, look beyond these momentary afflictions to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us, to the eternal home God is making for you. Now, before moving on, I, I need to make something clear. Sometimes when we hear the call to long for that which is eternal, we think about leaving behind this earth and going somewhere else. I want to be clear that, that the new and better home that God is creating for us, it may be kept in heaven for us, but it's coming here. The new heaven and earth is coming here. Uh, growing up, there was this band I listened to. They were known as FFH. It stood for Far From Home. And like the title of their band, they wrote a lot of songs about wanting to leave this earth and go be with God. There's a lot of Christian songs that make us believe that what's better is to actually to see this earth burn up and leave it all behind. But really, when we read the fullness of Scripture and even, even the words of Paul here in this text, we are reminded that what we really long for is, is not for this earth to pass away, but rather to see it renewed, to see it restored to its rightful beauty and goodness. What we have a hope in is not just that our earthly bodies, are, that our bodies would be resurrected and made better, but that our whole neighborhoods, our cities, our society would be restored and renewed. For us, uh, as Christians, we don't long to leave behind this earth. We long to see the new heaven and the earth come here. And so what Paul is, is telling us is that, is that, yes, there might be trials and difficulties in this world, but long for that day to come where everything is made new again. 2020 has caused me and probably yourself too for that day to come all the more quickly. I want to believe that 2021 is going to be a better year, an easier year, but I can't promise that. But I do have a promise that's even better for you. A promise that can help you be resilient, even if 2021 is harder than 2020. God has promised an eternal home, a home that all of our deepest longings will be met in. Verse 5 tells us that God has created us for this new home. And he's given us his spirit as a guarantee that one day we will possess it. We will take the keys and walk into that new home. It will be a glorious day. 
And so with the help of the Spirit, we can look beyond the momentary afflictions we're facing and we can look up at the eternal weight of glory that is in store for us ahead. So coming back to my main question that I want to answer for us today is what makes a Christian resilient? Well, it's having your eyes set on those things that are eternal. But more specifically, and secondly, what makes a Christian resilient is having their heart set on the Lord. I want to take us now to the second half of our passage today, where Paul begins to talk about his longing to be with the Lord. This is verse six, the second half of our section, our passage. Look there, it says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. <laughs> Could Paul be any more clear about who he wants to be with? He wants to be with the Lord. Did you catch the repetition? Verse 6 and verse 8 almost mirror each other. They say almost the same same things. Look, verse 6, he says, yes, we are so, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Eh, almost exactly the same thing is found in verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul's heart is set on being with the Lord. He longs to be with him. And yet in this moment, while he is away from him, he doesn't, doesn't become discouraged. No, he says he is always of good courage. How is this possible? Well, he tells us in verse 7, right in the middle of these two verses, he tells us that it's because he walks by faith and not by sight that allows him to keep going, to always be of good courage, that it's his faith that one day he would be united with the Lord. It's his faith in the promises of God, faith in the, the fact that the Holy Spirit is with him that allows him to keep going and not lose courage when trials come, when chaos disrupts his plans, when disappointments and loss come his way. He is able to press on with good courage because his eyes and his heart are set on someone who will never say goodbye, someone who will never abandon him, someone who is an ever-present help in times of trouble. You see, Paul wants us to understand that the great reward for those who set their heart and eyes on the Lord is an endless supply of courage. What does it mean for us to always be of good courage, to have an endless supply of courage? Well, let's think about it for a moment. I used to get annoyed with a friend of mine who never seemed to be phased by the difficulties in his life. He always had this smile on, even when he was telling me hard things he was facing. It was clear to me and everyone else that it was a, a disguise, a facade built up so that he didn't have to be honest or share what he was really experiencing. This isn't what it means to always be of good courage. To be of good courage doesn't mean that we just laugh off uh, the hardships and trials we face. No, I believe that to be of good courage means we have this abiding confidence in the Lord. Some translators even translate this verse to say, we are always of good cur of confidence. It, it means that even when our hearts are downcast, that doesn't make us a bad Christian. Because even when our hearts are downcast, we can... We can have this abiding confidence in the Lord. You don't have to be cheery and smiling all the time, but we do have this confidence that is unmovable. If 2020 has left your heart feeling down, doesn't make you a bad Christian. If, if you're not the person who can laugh off hardships, that doesn't make you a bad Christian. No, I think that having confidence or always being of good courage looks a lot more like 
a determined marathon runner than it does someone who's simply taking a walk in the park. No matter the hardships we face, no matter the trials that come our way, what makes us resilient? Well, having this endless supply of courage, having our eyes set upon the Lord helps us to keep going. I love a good uh, restaurant that has an endless supply of chips and salsa, bottomless chips and salsa. Everyone around the table can eat and eat and the waiters continue to bring out more and more and you can have your full, be full and there's still more on the table. That's what it's like for Christians. We always have more courage and confidence that we can enjoy. As this new year begins, you may be thinking to yourself, I'm not sure how much more I can endure. You may say that the words confidence and courage are the last two words you would use to describe yourself. But let me remind you today that when our hearts are set on the Lord, we drink from a well that never runs dry. There is always more courage to be enjoyed. Here in verses 6 through 10, this last half of our passage, Paul is trying to share his heart, his longing to be with the Lord. But he's also trying to stir up within us a longing to be with the Lord as well. He talks here about the reward that, that one receives when he sets their heart on the Lord, this endless supply of good courage. But he then turns his attention in verses 9 and 10, the last two verses of our passage, and moves from the reward to the repercussions. He seeks to motivate us not with the reward, but with the ramifications, the repercussions of setting our heart on him. Look back at, with me at verse 9 and 10. Paul writes this. He says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in this body, in the body, whether good or evil. Sadly, the pitfall of our highly commercialized Christmas is that it overtly and covertly tells us to indulge ourselves tells us to do what, what is pleasing in our own eyes. It's, it's actually pretty incredible. I, I, this, this Christmas, I received a couple of gift cards and, and couldn't think right away of what it is I wanted or needed. I didn't have anything I needed. And yet how quickly my mind went to different commercials I saw, uh, ways in which I could buy things to please myself. It, it is so easy to make it our aim in life to please ourselves. What Paul says here in these verses is that whether he's with him or away from him, the Lord, he makes it his aim to please him. That would make no sense if it wasn't for the amazing words and promises that we were told in verses 1 through 8 of chapter 5. The amazing things that we've just talked about, if those weren't true, then it would make no sense for anyone to make it their aim in life to please God. You see that if this was a world where all we had were these bodies, that we would need to do everything in order to protect ourselves. If we didn't have the promise of eternity, then we would need to go about living our life seeking as much pleasure and comfort in the moment as we possibly could. It would inevitably, inevitably cause us to live selfishly. And yet what Paul is saying here is that having the promise of eternity, having the promise of an eternal home, having every need met in the Lord having his heart set on the Lord, he is able to lift his eyes up beyond himself and to look to the creator, the provider, his Lord. Having everything met in the Lord, he is able to serve and love without needing anything in return. 
Paul reminds us the sobering fact that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will have to give an account for what we have done in our bodies. It, it will be a time where we are judged. And yet here's the thing. We, we have to remember that there is no excuse for living selfishly because in Christ we have everything that we ever could need. If in this new year you desire peace and happiness, be careful not to find yourself living a life trying to please yourself and not, and not the Lord. You see, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it does not, it's not there. There's no such thing. There isn't peace and happiness outside of the Lord. So set your heart on the Lord and you will find the desires of your heart met. So again, what makes a Christian resilient? Well, I believe that that's having hearts and minds set on the Lord, having hearts and minds set on eternity that allow us to press on and not lose heart. I found interesting this week as I was studying this passage that Paul is really talking about two common experiences that we all all have. Uh, uh, experience of longing uh, to be somewhere that we can't be or longing to be with people we can't be with. These are two things that he talks about in our passage, longing to be in the eternal home and longing to be with the Lord. This holiday disrupting pandemic has caused us all to not be able to be where we wanted to be or with the people we wanted to be with. Maybe as we start this new year, maybe you are not where you want to be in life. Maybe you're not able to be with the people you want to be with. Might I suggest to you today that this longing, these longings that we have often might be pointing to the reality that we were made for something better. Something that lasts longer, a more fulfilling relationship. These are the things that we will one day possess in eternity. We were made for eternity. We were made to last. We were made to be in relationship with God. This year, you might find yourself in places you don't want to be, longing to be somewhere else. But Paul wants you not to grow discouraged when you can't be with the people you want to be with. He says, set your heart and mind on eternity, on the horizon where one day every longing you have is, will be met. Those who look to eternity can see beyond their momentary affliction. Those who set their heart on the Lord will have every need met. You see, spiritual resiliency doesn't come from a vaccine. Spiritual resiliency doesn't come from looking within ourselves. It comes from locking eyes on the cross where mortality was swallowed up by life. Spiritual resiliency comes from setting your heart and your eyes on eternity and on the Lord. Holy Trinity Church, let's help one another do just that. Today, I hope that this new year marks a year where you can be looking out with an optimistic outlook, knowing that the promises of God are true and good and can be trusted. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the truth of, of the reality that our, our eternal home was designed by you, that you are keeping it safe and one day we will possess it. But until that time, you are with us and you help us you help us to persevere and endure. Father, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and help us, Lord, to be a church that helps one another to be resilient. We know there is an enemy. 
We know, Father, that there is an enemy who seeks to trip us up, cause us discouragement. But Lord, help us to lock our eyes on the cross where the beauty and the power of your son Jesus is most clearly displayed to us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.